I'm Dave Champion. I think most people would agree with the statement, the federal government has too much power. This is another area where the government is playing a game and you don't know the rules. Let's see if we can fix that. In order for the federal government to act, the federal government has to have something called jurisdiction. And I will tell you that while the states have something called general jurisdiction, the federal government has, and you probably remember this from junior high school, high school, and your civics class, it is a government of limited powers. Then we have to factor in that the Supreme Court has expanded or modified what we might believe the federal government's power should be based on the language in the Constitution. So we have to be aware of those cases as well in order to have a full picture of federal jurisdiction. Before I get rolling in earnest, I want to let you know that attorney Larry Beecraft has a wonderful brief on his website on federal jurisdiction, and I'll go ahead and put the link in the comments below. The federal government has two broad areas of jurisdiction, subject matter jurisdiction, and territorial jurisdiction. Subject matter jurisdiction is derived from the points in the Constitution, the provisions that grant the United States government power, and that grant, of course, came from the States of the Union when their representatives crafted the Constitution and said, okay, uh, we the states have all of this authority, and we're going to establish this thing called the federal government, and we're going to vest it with these particularized authorities and no more. That is subject matter jurisdiction. The Constitution vests the federal government with a second type of jurisdiction, and that is territorial jurisdiction. That means any place over which Congress is the sovereign, the federal government has complete jurisdiction. These are places, for example, like Washington, D.C., federal possessions and territories, Guam, American Samoa, Wake Island, places like that. These are places that are under the exclusive legislative jurisdiction of the United States. I'm confident you already know this, but just for the sake of completeness, the states of the Union are 100% not within the territorial jurisdiction of Congress. When we say that Congress has too much authority or too much power, how does Congress put that power into play? Well, of course, Congress does that by legislation, which is then carried out by federal agencies. If you read the United States Constitution from the first word to the last word, you will find that Congress has been granted very few areas of jurisdiction, what we today call subject matter jurisdiction. So the vast majority of the time when people say the government has too much, too much power, it's not subject matter jurisdiction that's in play. That leaves territorial jurisdiction, and that, my friends, is where the scam gets run, and that is where you do not understand the rules of the game. So let me explain this. Uh, the court, the United States Supreme Court has ruled that the United States, the term, the, the, the phrase United States, has a couple of different meanings in law. One of them are the possessions and territories over which Congress has exclusive jurisdiction. Now, follow me on this. 
the decisions of the court, and there are several of them, I'm not going to get all into the specific language of them, but the takeaway message, the legal landscape today, the constitutional landscape, is as follows. When the United States government is legislating in its capacity as the federal government, um, having been granted powers by the states of the union, and is legislating on its subject matter jurisdiction that may involve the 50 states, the uh, Congress is restricted to those powers enumerated in the Constitution. But when legislating for the areas where it has territorial authority, the opposite is true. The Supreme Court has said it may do anything it is not specifically restricted from doing. So you have one which is totally right and proper in, uh, in the kind of the form of government that the Founding Fathers established. And then you have this other one, sanctioned by the Supreme Court, that says Congress is essentially a king, almost damn near a dictator, when it comes to legislating for the areas over which Congress has exclusive territorial jurisdiction. So then, when you pull up that handy-dandy piece of legislation that somebody has just introduced for a vote in Congress, where do you find the distinction between Congress legislating for the 50 states in its proper and appropriate role as having been created by the states of the Union, and how do you distinguish then a piece of legislation that is territorial in nature? You don't. I mean, you can, but it's by context. Uh, I have long advocated that Congress pass a law, which they never will because it would end the scam, uh, that Congress pass a law that every single piece of legislation that's introduced must have at the very top a, a provision that discusses where in the Constitution whoever it is that wants this legislation passed imagines that Congress gets the authority to do that. That provision, that disclaimer, if you will, at the top of legislation would answer that question. And of course, Congress will never do that because that would end the scam. It would be hard for me to overstate this. An incredibly huge number of pieces of legislation enacted by Congress are territorial in nature. But because nobody argues that when it goes to court, the court, not having received that argument, say a United States District Court, which is an entry-level court in the federal system, when you walk into court and you say, Your Honor, this isn't right. This is violative of the Constitution. The judge looks at me in his mind. This guy's an idiot. No, it's not. It's territorial. But since he didn't make that argument, I'm not going to address that argument. And I'm going to say, boom, yeah. It applies to you because you didn't make the correct argument. That's how courts work. Courts don't make your arguments for you. So I'm going to give you a perfect example right now of a piece of legislation that has, if you're a gun guy, has impacted your world since you became a gun guy. And that is the Federal Firearms Act. And I wrote a piece on this probably 15 years ago now, where I talk about how it is territorial legislation that is being applied across the United States. Okay? So where can you find this? You can find this on a, I, I no longer maintain this site. It's very graciously maintained by other people. Um, it has a 
significant selection of my early writings. And the one I'm referring to is the Federal Firearms Act. And all you have to do is go to originalintent.org, click on the circle that says education, and select the Federal Firearms Act and read all about it. It is a perfect example of how Congress has buffaloed you because you don't know the rules of the game. So everybody thinks that uh, not only that piece of legislation, but many other subsequent firearms legislation that uh, build on that foundation apply in the 50 states. And they don't. And that treatise I wrote makes it perfectly clear. And this is one of the reasons, for instance, that I question the sincerity of many of the people, the attorneys, the executives in various firearms organizations, because they've been shown this treatise time and time again. They have no criticism of it because it is 100% factual. But instead, when somebody says, look at this, what are you going to do with this, Mr. Attorney for, fill in the organization name, what are you going to do with this? Look, tell me what. And a 40 or 50 year old attorney essentially does the attorney version of la 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 okay? They don't want to get into, for whatever reason, I leave that to you, they do not want to get into the issue of territorial jurisdiction for federal legislation. Uh, and that is one of the most significant problems with the government, the federal government, exerting what we consider to be undue influence. It's not undue power. It's just geographically misapplied to you and I, okay? Rather than being limited to where it truly belongs. Now, I decided to do this video because this subject has reared its head once again concerning the income tax. Uh, I've seen people in various postings start to talk about the fact that the income tax is territorial legislation. And as you can see from the earlier part of this presentation, that, that's a real thing, and it is a real problem. And another real problem is people trying to characterize the income tax as territorial. It is not. It is subject matter jurisdiction. The Founding Fathers specifically gave the federal government the authority to impose an income tax. The only difference is it what they envision, they don't use the word income tax, um, it's just an indirect tax, and you can find out all about that here. But the founders didn't have a problem with an income tax per se, but the, if you had spoken to a founding father and said, can Congress impose an income tax? Sure. You mean an, an indirect excise? Yeah, absolutely. So they can impose that on the citizens of the states of the union. <laughs> Absolutely not would have been the answer. And Congress hasn't. It doesn't really matter whether we're talking about firearms, environmental law, income tax, misunderstanding the difference between subject matter jurisdiction and territorial jurisdiction is a huge problem. So in terms of the income tax, stop with the territorial argument. It is non-factual. Uh, if you read this, you will find out it's subject matter jurisdiction, and you will find out that rather than what most Americans think, which is, you know, it's gigantic and embraces everybody, it's actually very, very small and embraces just a very few people.
Okay? So the founders built the Constitution, and that's what Congress actually did. The only reason that people believe otherwise is there's a pervasive, false public narrative about it. Once you learn, that goes out the window. Um, so I, I guess the point I'd like to make in closing is, if you read this, even though it's about income tax, you will learn a lot about how the federal government uh, plays the jurisdiction game and plays other legal games. And the great thing is, you can take all the lessons you learned here, and then you look at legislation across the board, and you go, ha! No. Can't fool me again. So if you want to get your hands on a copy of this, which will free you from the income tax and educate you about a whole lot of other federal jurisdiction issues so that you can never be fooled by the federal government ever again, uh, just go to drreality.news, click on that, hit the buy button. All right, guys, take care. Bye-bye.